politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, liberty, property, all of it in between. Here at CR Podcast, this is your host, Daniel Hurwitz, back here today uh, like a fish out of water. You know, it's been almost a full week. I've missed you guys as much as I hope you've missed me, Uh, and I've been just chomping at the bit to get back to this beacon of truth here at Blaze Media. So much going on, so little being done about it. Uh, We got Biden has basically been given such a free runway to destroy this country, to invade this country. Nothing's being done at the border. Nothing's being done against the Green New Deal. Nothing's being done against his racial war, against whites in America, the anarcho-tyranny, the Green New Deal, you name it. So therefore, now he can go on to Israel and screw with their borders, which is what he's doing now because, you know, he's got a bunch of time on his hands because there's quite literally no backstop to what's going on. Um, You know, today I want to go through some of the news that we might have missed over the long week or weekend. Hope you guys had a terrific family-oriented weekend. But I also want to give a broad overview of where we are politically. And where we are politically is basically, well, physically, literally, and also politically, we have, or metaphorically, we have a beatdown. You know one of these uh, gang knockout beatdowns where you have 20 uh, cultural enrichers in Europe surround a white girl or something and beat her? That's sort of what's happening to our country now, getting beaten from all ends. And what the conservative movement is, is analogous to this just decrepit trend we've all noticed where people take pictures and film these beatdowns, but then they don't actually do anything to intervene. And that's sort of what the conservative movement is. It's not that they're not focused on it. You'll turn on these shows, they'll talk They'll talk about the vaccines here and there, they'll talk about January 6th, they'll talk about this, but it's nothing more than an industry. There is no plan in place to deal with it. How, will you, how, how are you going to win the next election? Well, if it's not that, how are you going to win the red states? The rhinos continue to win the red states, and Democrats continue to win every uh, somewhat competitive state, but even light red state that we're seeing. What is your plan to change the game? Is it going to focus on Congress? Are you going to focus on the budget? Are you going to focus on the state legislatures? We try to do all of that here. Are you going to try to focus on primaries? You know, we had a great primary challenger on our last show before Thanksgiving, Head of the South Carolina Freedom Caucus challenging the status quo from a member of Congress upstate there in South Carolina. But we have no plan. My my basic assessment of my friends that I'm seeing in this industry, it's, oh, the polling shows Trump ahead in the primary. So he's going to win the primary in their mind. It shows him ahead of Biden in the general election. So he's going to win that. So I guess you just do nothing until... Inevitably, Trump wins. Now, even if Trump were amazing and Trump would win, both of which are not true, by the way, uh, that would not be enough. What's your What's your plan beyond that? But the crazy thing is, it's worse than Charlie Brown and the football. They keep 
winning the polls, but losing elections. And they're like, oh, look at those polls. And then we lost another election that showed us winning. But look at the polls. It's a mental illness, but it's also reflective of the fact that we don't have leaders that are courageous, that are thoughtful, that are strategic, and that feel that fire in their belly that it's like, you know, this can't go on anymore. So one of the things I want to point out for you today, um, we're going to start doing throughout the year at The Blaze some of these deep dives, uh, whether it's Glenn Beck or myself or Steve Dace or some of the other people we have, Sarah Gonzalez. We're going to be doing these specials. And today we're running a Cyber Monday sale on The Blaze where you can get 30% off your an entire year subscription of Blaze TV+. Plus. You go to blazetv.com, put in promo code Cyber Monday 30. And that means you get 30% off. You could lock in an entire year subscription. My my show is free, but all the written content you get for free with this um you know, with this sign up, you get Steve's show plus the overtime, you get every show. And you get all of these documentaries we do, all the deep investigative reporting. So, again, you go to blazetv.com, promo code CyberMonday30. I mean, that's going to put it at maybe I want to say about $90. It's going to definitely get under $100 for an entire year. So you're talking about like eight months, uh, uh, you know, $8 a month for the print and TV. Um, and also, if you want to give it as, let's say, a Christmas gift – you could go to giftblazetv.com, use promo code CyberMonday30, and same thing, give it to a friend or a relative as a gift. Um, and that's kind of a unique way for those of you who have run out of uh, various presents that you've given all year or throughout the years. So where are we, folks? I, w- I want to get into this polling business. I want to go through the fallacy of the polling. But big picture, let's start with Congress. So the first thing, they're finally coming back after two weeks. The first thing they're going to deal with is the expulsion of George Santos. So now we have this, again, another agonizing false dichotomy of, well, on the one hand, you have this corrupt, you know, cross-dressing homosexual weirdo from New York City who is allegedly a Republican, but he supports Trump, so he's amazing, but he's not. (laughs) So, uh you know, a number of Republicans are going to join every Democrat. He might get expelled from Congress. On the other hand, people are upset. Well, you know, by that measure, half the Democrats should be gone, so we can't unilaterally disarm. So this is the false choice that we always have to die on a hill of a homosexual Republican. So that's the first thing they're going to be dealing with. The The, the other big thing is the supplemental. Now, there shouldn't be a supplemental, but basically, they're going to want to go ahead and tie Israel funding to Ukraine funding to the border funding. Now, here's the deal. Ukraine, I mean, is, is just a false dichotomy to begin with. There's nothing to fund. And then when it comes to the border in Israel, they're actually similar issues in that they're not funding problems. They're policy problems, both of them. We don't need more money at the border. We need policy to stop the invasion 
and or empower the states to deport illegals. Anything short is nonsense. You throw more money at the border, it's like, hey, if you give me Ukraine funding, we'll give the right uh, border funding. Well, we don't want border funding. That's going to be harnessed and marshaled into catch and release. And then, as I've noted throughout the past month or so, Israel is not a funding problem. It's the Biden administration is literally waging jihad, forced a ceasefire on them. Now it's trying to make it long term. Had them release a bunch of the most hardened terrorists. Screwing with their borders, shoving. I mean, it's unbelievable. They got massacred. And instead of using that as an opportunity to end this Palestinian nonsense, he's pushing a two state solution on them. Rather than pressuring Qatar, he's pressuring Israel. Oh, but we'll give them money. So we don't have a party dealing with the proper foreign policy because we don't have a party focused on the proper domestic policy either. And to the extent Republicans focus on it, it's all Israel needs some money. And again, like I said before, that needlessly divides the right and doesn't even get to the problem. What ultimately needs to happen is that the defense pacts that we have with Israel need to be renegotiated so that that frees them up to develop more of their own weapon systems and not have to purchase from Americans as they're required to under the pact, make them more independent so they can go and do what they need to do. But there's an interesting um, pullout just to gain some sort of understanding of where Republican congressmen are, there is this poll called Canvas Capitol Hill. It was put out by Punchbowl, which covers Congress, and they surveyed between November 1st and 19th, I don't know how many, congressional staffers. So it was a survey of congressional staffers, and they asked them, what does your boss think of a deal combining Border security funding with Ukraine funding with Israel funding. Okay, that's the big, that's going to be the big push this entire month. And they found 97% of Democrat staffers said that their bosses support it, not surprising. 59% of Republican staffers said that their respective bosses supported the same deal. So again, the uniparty right there. Now, it's probably, if it's 60%, it's probably like 80% in the Senate and maybe, you know, there's a lot more House members, so maybe uh, more like 50-50 in the House. But that's how bad it is. On something this obvious, I mean, Ukraine is becoming obvious that even if you believed in it, it's untenable. There's nothing you're going to succeed at. And still, even two years into the grift, We're not making progress. We have more than half of GOP staffers saying their bosses would support such a thing. So again, I'm I'm not seeing a movement of all these people, all these people going around defending Trump and his people, you know, with disgusting attacks on Casey DeSantis and things like that. But I'm not seeing them with a plan. What is your plan? What is your plan? And I'll tell you what the plan is. It's look at the polls. Look at the polls. 
chronicle the decline. Take pictures about the decline. Take videos of the decline. It's very exciting. See, there's a dirty little secret about my colleagues. It's very profitable to chronicle the decline of our civilization. It's not very profitable to try to either blunt the decline to some extent or evacuate ourselves in a smart, strategic way from it. Biden's talking about a two-state solution. We should have people talking here about a two-state solution. But there's nothing to create a two-state solution with because the Republican governors are horrible, the legislatures are horrible, and the one man that is head and shoulders above all else, he is trashed like no end by the very people that, that... you know, sell themselves as the guardians of the new right that is more aggressive and knows what time it is and and, and wants to, you know, eschew the failures of the GOP and the and the conservatives of the past. Like, here here's what's funny. If you look at Ron DeSantis and you're like, that's nothing. That guy's a nothing. All right, I could bite, okay. But then what does that say about everyone else? I mean, then we're really screwed. What is your solution? It's a tomp. Well, I want to talk about that a little bit. I don't like talking about polls, but all my colleagues talk about polls, so today we're going to talk about some polls. And I want to illustrate the absurdity of what you're seeing with this vicious cycle of Republican winning the election, red wave, and then they lose. Oh, but look at the polls! And then they lose. And look at the polls! Okay, something's got to change. Something's got to change. It's real bad. First, I forgot here, our sponsor today, actually another good idea. Um, you got a couple weeks left for uh, Christmas gifts. Those of you, um, Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's, or, you know, you got a birthday, anniversary of your loved one coming up. If you have any loved one who's into shooting, give them the gift of practice. Okay, we talk about this a lot. You can never practice the muscle memory of the proper five-point draw from the holster. You could always get quicker. You could always get more accurate, but it takes a lot of ammo. Well, that's a lot of money. If you go to itargetpro.com, you can get the dry fire laser bullet uh, system that you make back the cost in just one training session, and you could train to your heart's content. Um, you could. You, they have a lot of different fun uh, variations of it, but you get 10% off with offer code CR. Uh, you simply download the iTarget Pro app and load your caliber. So you, you just have to make sure you get your caliber. By the way, you could do this with um, AR training too. They have 223 as well for your a- AR um, and certainly all of the handgun calibers. It's the smartest, safest way to train, which is why competitive shooters have been turning to this as well. Um, look, I mean, I'm I'm burning through my ammo quickly, so I have to rely on this a lot to keep in uh, training. Go to itargetpro.com, itargetpro.com, offer code CR. So let's see what we have in terms of polling. We all remember, well, I guess we don't, but we should remember, the entire last year we spent what? Not on focusing on legislative sessions, not on focusing on congressional sessions, not on, focus on focusing on primaries. No, 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 we just have to win the general election. Okay, now mind you, we didn't focus on ground game. We didn't focus on ways to win. The Republican Party is in shambles. There's a whole bunch of articles out on that, and, and as we well see that. 
So it was just like, we just sit back and wait for the red wedding, the red wave to come. Okay, that was, I mean, it was at least eight months worth of conservative media content for the year 2022. Okay? And they're doing it again. We're winning. Trump is going to win the primary. He's going to run the table on the critical states against Biden. Just wait for next November, and it will all be okay. And by the way, I'm not trying to tell you that the polls in the primary are definitely wrong. There's something is funny about it. But I want to give you a broad picture, particularly for the general election. So they're all excited that the polls seem to show Trump beating Biden. Okay. Like like we've never seen that before. What I, I think to, to give another analogy, we use the beatdown uh selfie, whatever, you know, videoing uh analogy, but there's another one. Famous, famous, one of the most famous plays in, in all of football during the ninety-three Super Bowl. I remember watching it live. The Dallas Cowboys defensive tackle, Leon Lett, famously um, celebrated before he got the ball in the end zone. So he he uh, got an interception, he picked off a ball, and he ran it all the way down. And maybe it was about yeah 10 yards away from, from their end zone. He started doing the dance, but he wasn't in the end zone yet. And uh, the Buffalo Bills wide receiver, Don Beebe, came up behind him and stripped it out of his hand. And, you know, it was obviously very symbolic I think Leon Lett made a couple of similar blunders uh, in other plays as well as at least one other one where he did that. Um, but that was the most famous. And it was symbolic, but but ultimately it didn't mean much because that was the one where the Cowboys, what was it? They won like 54-17, and it was towards the end of the game, and they had an insurmountable lead. So it was more symbolic. What the conservative movement is today is like Leon Lett, except we're, we're down 54 nothing. Okay, we, we badly need to start making plays. And they got the ball totally not in the end zone. And they're sitting and holding it out and just dancing. They're dancing over junk poles. So I figured I would go back and revisit. You know, not just they lost in 2018. And then they lost 2020. Okay, so now let's set this up. Now, you go to 2022, and we all know historically, and, and, and this dates back even in the early years of the Republic, the party in power in the White House loses seats in the midterm elections. Okay, it's always a pendulum swing. Some are modest, often it's, it's robust, and in recent years, because of the polarization, the pendulums have been stronger. So in other words, the modern trend is, you know, Republicans crushing Dems in 94, Dems crushing Republicans in 2006, Republicans crushing Dems in 2010 and 2014, and then Dems crushing Republicans because Trump was in the White House in 2018. So we all thought you had the worst economy, the worst inflation, the, the worst bungling fool. You didn't have even a charismatic Clinton or Obama against which Republicans won big you know, thing. So you, you plug that into the equation, the inflation, the unpopular policies, the economy, and you should have gotten 2010 plus, 1994 plus. But instead, Republicans lost a seat in the Senate. They lost two seats 
two governorships. They lost a bunch of legislative chambers. And they narrowly flipped a few seats to win the House, but that was only because of reapportionment and an overperformance of Lee Zeldin running for governor in New York in you know five or six districts in uh, New York City and uh, you know the the kind of area of the upstate that's the closest to the city, and that was it. But but otherwise, you take that and again, I'm not allowed to talk about this man, but there was a man who vetoed his own party's uh, maps in Florida and demanded better, and he squeezed out another two seats for Republicans. You take that out of the equation, Republicans would have lost. Like, not just underperformed, but downright lost. And that is astounding. That is something that should shake everyone. And what that means is that the current image of the Republican Party, along with its current just mechanical get-out-the-vote effort is so comatose that it is bucking 200-year political science trends. Okay, it's, it's, this is pretty bad. So that should have been a wake-up moment. But it's not. So I want to rehash what went on there. And I figured I'd collate the final RCP polling averages headed into the November elections November 8th, 2022, and juxtapose it to the actual results and see what the difference is. Okay? So let's start with the Senate. Pennsylvania. Believe it or not, the RCP average actually had Oz, that leftist fake Republican, up 0.4%. Okay, it was very close, very close. But to be clear... The averages that I'm going to read to you don't even do it justice because it shows the momentum headed in like the final three to five polls was even better for Republicans in almost each of these states, which is what fooled everyone. But this is what we did. We got satiated on junk polls. So Oz was up 0.4 points okay, in the polling average. And but 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 really the final polls a lot of them had him up you know two three, Fetterman wound up winning by five, okay so that was a swing of five point four, five point four the polls were off, mind you everyone's celebrating you look at the RCP average today it shows Trump beating Biden by two point three so I just want you to remember that it showed the polling had a pro-Republican bias that was wrong of 5.4. Okay, let's move on. New Hampshire. Okay, that was always a tougher race to knock off incumbent Maggie Hassan. But, you know, some of the, there was a question whether this guy Bulldog, the Republican, could beat her. The The final RCP average was Hassan winning by 1.4, but again, you know, some of the polls had, had it even. Um, had it had it better, the final polling. Hassan crushed it by 9.1. They got blown out. And as you well know, they um they almost lost control of the legislature there. They pretty much lost operational control of the house. That's a swing of 7.7 or a deviation. 7.7. I want you to remember, as you see, you know, oh Trump uh, average beating Biden by 2.3. Right? This is a, these are large margins to be off 
in a closely divided country. Okay, when you're off this much, that says a lot. Nevada, Nevada, Adam Laxalt, the Republican, was ahead of incumbent Senator Cortez Mastin, however you pronounce that name, by 3.4. Okay, so that, that was a meaningful, that, that, that's, that's a lot, especially to be leading an incumbent. Um, almost no final poll that I know of, maybe none of them had Laxalt behind. And in fact, some of them had him up more. Like, I didn't even, we didn't even think that was a thing, but he lost by 0.9. So again, even there, where Laxalt had more of a robust campaign, there was a pro-Democrat um, result, or again, deviation by, it was Dem plus 4.3. So the Democrats overperformed the polling by 4.3. Arizona, okay, we all remember that. That was very close. It was deadlocked, but again, all of them, it looked like he had the momentum. So Masters, the Republican against incumbent uh, Mark Kelly, was up 0.3, but but again, had more of the momentum coming in, which historically, when the polls were accurate, that would have signaled a Republican win. Kelly won by 4.9, a Dem... Um, bias of actual results versus polling average of 5.2 okay so so again you know consider that when when you look at the rcp average showing trump up by 2.3 okay georgia scott walker okay almost every poll had him up he was up 1.4 final poll is even more warnock won it by 0.9 that was a dem swing of 2.3 okay so that was that was relatively the smallest one, but again, but that was the most meaningful swing, meaning it was a swing from winning to losing. Every one, the polls were, were, were wrong. Um, let's move on here. Washington State. So yeah, I mean, it was always, you know, it was never likely that they were going to defeat Patty Murray, but the RCP average had Murray up only three points. In the end, Murray was up she won by 14.5. That's a swing of 11.5. 11.5. Okay, and again, I think you're seeing that in the blue states. Some of this is, is the fact that the GOP has no ground game. The conservative movement has no ground game. So you, the bluer the state, the worse off, the worse off they are. Even where we had stronger candidates and, our, and, and incumbents, where the Republican was the incumbent being challenged, Ron John in Wisconsin, you know, he wound up winning. He wound up winning, but all the polls in the end had him. I mean, there was an, not a single poll that had the Democrat up. Johnson's uh, RCP average was up 3.6. But again, you look at the momentum from the final five to seven polls, you go, you go there, you'll see it was even more. He only won by one point. Too close to for comfort is a swing of, of 2.6, but again, qualitatively even more. Even Ted Budd in North Carolina, I mean, that was a slam dunk. That was never even contention. RCP average had him up 6.2. He only won by 3.2. Dem, Dem swing of, of plus three. So, so again, this was across the board. It was systemic. It was systemic. There, you know, whether it's a mixture of the polling being woefully wrong, a mixture of 
Republicans have no ground game because Trump kind of killed the party in terms of its nuts and bolts competence, but not in terms of its ideology. So you get the worst of both. Whether it's the abortion motivation, the motivation gap, you know, with Roe v. Wade being repealed, it could be a mixture of all of it. I'm not so much into the why they're losing, but let's just recognize the what that they are losing and that the polls are consistently wrong. And if you want to use them, you have to slide them back four to five points and, you know, in other places even more. Even J.D. Vance in Ohio, which generally was trending red and red and red and red, RCP average had J.D. Vance up eight, he underperformed, one by 6.5. So that was the smallest Dem um, underperformance uh, or overperformance. Dems overperformed the poll, polls by 1.5. But that's pretty remarkable given that Republicans at the top of the ballot had DeWine, who's horrible, but he's like a Democrat. So, you know, all the Republicans vote for him. A lot of the Dems did. He did very well, won by like 20 points. And it's trending red state. That, that was pretty disappointing. I'm not, I'm not blaming J.D. Vance. I'm just saying, in totality, there's something really wrong there. And then there's one more Senate race that we could talk about. So every single one, Republicans went ahead and they woefully underperformed the polling. But then there was a Senate race, Marco Rubio. Now, the point is not Rubio. He's a loser. The point is the state of Florida. The final RCP average had him up 8.8. Do you know what he won by? 16.4. A Dem underperformance of 7.6. And we know it wasn't because of Rubio. It was because of the man at the top who won by 19.4. And that's the man you're not allowed to mention. So, look, I'm not a genius in political science, but gee, if I had an environment that was that auspicious for Republicans and they not only lose the election, but for some reason consistently in, in the red states, in the blue states, in the swing states, in where Republicans were the incumbents, in an open seat where Democrats were the incumbents, all across the board underperformed consistently three to five points and sometimes a lot more than that. And then you have one state where they just massively overperform the polls Gee, man, I mean, you know, that, that that might be something to consider that maybe you want to go with that guy as the leader of your party. Again, I'm not saying that Trump is 100% the reason for this, but what I am saying is the status quo GOP and conservative movement ain't getting it done. Okay, that's not cutting it. You need a facelift. A facelift in terms of image, in terms of focus, in terms of strategy. And what is that change? Now, you speak to most average voters, they don't know really who Mitch McConnell is. They might have heard of the name. They don't know who this guy is. There's one man that everyone knows who's the image of the party. I mean, you're certainly not going to win by keeping the status quo. But we had a brilliant idea, and let's just trash the guy, the one guy that showed a path to both policy gains and political victories and go with the status quo. 
And that's what we got. Let's go to the governor's races. Okay? Wisconsin. Michaels, who was a Republican, who was close, but he was beating the incumbent in the polls by 0.6. He lost to Tony Evers, the incumbent, by 3.3. That's a swing of 3.9. Oregon, this was a big one. I remember that. We all thought that we'd be able to win, make gains in the legislature, you know, because there was, there was an independent running that we thought was taking off some votes from Democrats, draining away votes. Drazen, the Republican, who's a female Republican, polling had her up five points. That's very significant against an incumbent. Kotek, the incumbent Democrat, wound up winning by 3.4. That's a Dem swing of 8.4. Then, of course, we have Carrie Lake. In Arizona. And I like I, I never even had, you know, none of us ever thought she was going to lose, right? Because she was up by 3.5 in the RCP average. Almost every poll had her up for, for like two months before the election. You know, the question was Masters. The Senate race was closer. Hobbs won by 0.6. That's a swing of 4.1. Now, look, I, I just want to say this. Now, you know, I want to say, well, that was stolen. But notice how it is in line with every other underperformance. Well, Daniel, they're all stolen. Well, okay, so for, first off, I, I, I would say that part of Republicans being comatose on policy issues over the years is that they were comatose on electoral politics issues as well. So they allowed Democrats to create all these anomalies that are now legal, and they, they, they go and they went and built an election model on that. And you're outgunned and you're outmanned. What are you going to do about it? Meaning, if it's quasi-cheating, like brought under the color of law but shouldn't be, then you got to do the same. If it's real cheating, then what's your plan to deal with it? Meaning, either the polls are wrong or no, the polls are right. They just cheat. I mean, I think you could see there's no GOP ground game. There's no message. There's no image. So a lot of it is that. But if you do believe there's an element of cheating, well, I don't see a plan to deal with that. I mean, I don't fight over the why. It's the what. We're not winning. We're not winning. By the way, our other sponsor for our final segment today is our friends at Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, standing behind their values and their exceptional service. And I think we should stand behind them they're extending their Black Friday deal to the Every Friday Matters deal. And you can get a free smartphone when you switch today. Free smartphone. Now they make you pay a lot with a lot of these uh, other networks. You get the same good coverage minus the funding of the left. Um, keep your number. Keep your phone. Or, for a limited time, get a free smartphone. A free smartphone now. Important new change. Uh, go to patriotmobile.com slash CR, or if it's easier, just call their number, 972-PATRIOT. Use promo code FRIDAY76. Okay, is in 1776. FRIDAY76. Free smartphone. Promo code FRIDAY76. Friday Make the switch states. This is a limited offer at patriotmobile.com slash CR, or call 972-PATRIOT. So I want to continue. So, so far, we have an, we have an overperformance of Democrats' relative to the polls, 3.9, 8.4, 4.1. Let's go on to Michigan. That was the big one. Whitmore looked like she was going to hold on. She was up one point. 
in the RCP average, she won by 10.6. That is a swing of 9.6. Tim Walsh in Minnesota. You know, there was a hope earlier on. Maybe we could bump him off. But no, the polls didn't show him uh, losing. But he was up 4.3. He wound up winning by 7.7. That's a Dem swing of 3.4. So what I'm trying to show you is that even in the areas where the polls did show them winning, they did even better. Pennsylvania, of course, Shapiro was always winning. It was a disaster. Shapiro was winning by 8.3. The Democrat, he won by 14.8, overperformed by 6.5. Um, this is the smallest margin we have. Lombardo in Nevada, the Republican running for governor. Now, he did win. This was the only area where Republicans f- flipped the governorship. But he was up by 2.8. He wound up winning by 1.5. So so he was consistently up. And and again, I mean, he's a big moderate and everything. Um, shouldn't have had a problem, but underperformed by 1.3. Again, you go to a blue state. They got blown out. Paulus, the governor there, you had the disastrous run against him by 10.7. He was up 10.7. He won by 19.3, an overperformance of 8.6. So... There you have all the governorships. And look, I had Robert Cahaley, the head of Trafalgar polling. I had him on the show. You know, I gave him his chance. And, you know, look, he got 2016 right. So everyone thought that, oh, it's the same dynamic, but we have a different world. We now have an entire Democrat universe built in response to Trump's the threat of Trump's presidency that not only never came to fruition, but Trump crushed us on the border. He crushed us on inflation. He crushed us on COVID, left us in shambles. And now, you know, so the polls were right against Kahaley in 2018, 2020, 2022, and now 2023. But somehow 2024 is going to be different. So Kahaley's out there polling for Trump and Trump's crushing. Ha ha ha, Trump's, I mean, this is going to be like a 40-state landslide. Like, are you are you dreaming? It's like we've it's like we've never been through this. And by the way, what's interesting is that Florida, of course, DeSantis was up 12.2 in the RCP, won by 19.4. Republican overperformance of 7.2. It it's it is so it's unbelievable the dichotomy there. If you look at that, again, I'm not the one who focuses on polls, but if you want to focus on polls, where the polls were relative to what they did, they lost and got crushed everywhere and underperformed everywhere except for one state where they dramatically overperformed and that one guy, you piss on the guy. But it continued. It continued. After 20... Okay, Daniel, maybe maybe people didn't have enough. But then you get to 2023 and, and it changed. Nope. Nope. We spent the next 12 months, the ensuing 12 months, 12 and a half months now, bragging about polls. We we continued the same thing. Mitta Trump, Mitta McConnell, Rona McDaniel, who only has her job because of Mitta Trump, and we just keep doing the same thing. No ground game, no focus, no anything. And by the way, local organizing matters. I have a friend of mine from Virginia 
who did this in his precincts. And even though Republicans lost overall in their local areas, they were able to win. And by the way, you are seeing that. You are seeing that in not in, in a lot of states in the school board races. We have terrific organizations that are focusing on that. You reap what you sow. If you notice a pattern, you're going to see in places, the, the less of a ground game they have, the more they underperform the polls. But either way, they underperform it. But it's focusing on the primaries, focusing on legislative sessions, focusing on making red areas red. And then if you want to engage in more swing areas, ground game. But you need a different image. You need a different vision. You need a strategy. We don't have any of that. It's all the polls. Um, according to the New York Times, Repu- Republicans or or Democrats overperformed Biden's 2020 margins, which themselves were winning margins, by an average of seven points in 21 of 27 special elections from January through Dece- through uh, September of this year. Obviously, this culminated with the big losses in in the off-year November election we just had in Kentucky, Virginia, and any other year where you have an unpopular Dem in the White House, Virginia goes against that. So in Virginia, Republicans had the House. I'm sorry, they had the, the governorship, they had the Senate, and they were just, just a hair away in the House. Instead, not only didn't they win the House, they lost the Senate. And yet conservatives continue to think that they don't need to improvise because Trump is up 2.3 points in the RCP average. I mean, I mean, I, I just, I don't know what to say. I just don't know what to say. We need a strategy. We need a vision. We need a plan. We could debate who or what is to blame. And it's likely several factors. But clearly, the status quo is not working. So what is our solution? And folks, this is not funny. We can't, we can't have more of this. I mean, they're going to win. Whether it's Biden himself, whether they swap him out. We'll see what happens. You have coming up Thursday night, the debate between Newsom and DeSantis, which is an important event. But look... Where is this? Um, this is from the New York Post. This is from Miranda Devine, terrific reporter. Um, where is this? About the spies in the Biden administration. Like, we have full bore Iranian spies running the offices, the civilian offices. In, in charge of special operations. So, where is this? If In case you wonder why the Biden administration is literally supporting Iran, supporting Qatar, supporting Hamas, they are raping Israel. Israel's entire life, since 1948, every time, they're, they're facing annihilation. God you know, saves them. And right when they're preparing to finally make gains, they pull the plug on them. And that's what they're doing again. 
Ariane Tabatabai is an Iranian-born Biden military aide who's under investigation of an Iranian influence operation whose tentacles reach deep into Washington's military and diplomatic establishment. And yet, she's just continuing to gain power. Not only is Tabatabai the chief of staff to the Pentagon's assistant secretary of defense for special operations, she's the chief of staff to the point man in the Pentagon overseeing special operations, Christopher Mayer. But according to Navy sources, she recently became a U.S. Reserve Naval Intelligence Officer. Tabatabai has completed her five-month training, the Center for Information, Dominance, and Damn Neck. According to a fellow officer, who spoke on condition of anonymity, expressed concerns about her getting the clearance. The officer said Tabatabai would receive access in a reservist intelligence role to such sensitive information as staff rosters and movements of U.S. ships and submarines in the Persian Gulf, all of which is clearly of interest to Iran. By the way, Iranian-backed uh, proxies are now attacking shipping lanes left and right. The Navy has been actively training her to be an intel officer and giving her access to not just what she has in her civilian job, but across to all the need-to-know information that a reserve unit has. This Naval Reserve role gives her more clearance and access. Everyone she has contact with in the Navy intel realm is now potentially outed. The FBI reportedly has been shut out of the Tabatabai probe, and it is not known which agency is in charge. So you could read the whole thing there, everyone is silent. I'm not seeing the Republicans, you know, even even on the hearing end, forget about, you know, having a budget fight, but even on the hearing end, I'm not seeing them do anything. And again, like like I told you guys a while back, um what's what's important about this piece is that when it comes to Israel versus Iran or America versus Iran, Republicans are actually pretty united. And still they're feckless. There's nothing. There's nothing. I mean, part of why Biden is obsessing about Israel now is because they're meeting no opposition here at home on any domestic issue. And by the way, it is really bad. Like, we cannot go on longer like this with the amount of of, of Palestinian, and I hate using that term because it was a term referred to Jews for for uh, you know in, in in various forms of it for many many millennium, um, but what they call Arab Palestinians, they are all over our country. I mean, you're now seeing them European style riots, demonstrations, shutting down bridges now, and there's an interesting poll out that sheds light on just how radical these people are. So. Zogby, who is an Arab pollster, I don't know if he's a Christian Arab or a Muslim Arab, but John Zogby, famous pollster, he has what's called the American Arab, uh, Arab American Institute. And he found that support for Biden among Arab Americans plunged more than 40 points overnight. Just 17.4% support Biden. Um, it's that's pretty unbelievable. 
And now, obviously, it's ironic because you might say, oh, what do you mean they don't support Biden? You have to understand, Biden himself, rhetorically, he'll say Israel's right to defend themselves or something. It's what they're doing policy-wise, but these people are too stupid to understand that the Biden admin has been the most effective admin for their cause. They look at the macro messaging and they say, oh, everyone's pro-Israel. So, but that's scary that it means that much to them that their support for Biden has plummeted. That's how radical these people are. And again, I, I, you know, it's not so much about Israel itself. It's that this is what we let into our country. Because I got news for you. Anyone who wants Israel's demise is not exactly someone's like, I'm American as apple pie. I love America. I love our values. I love our constitution. But I just don't like Israel. No, 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 no. Um, this is not, in fact, this is not Israel's problem. This is our problem. And that's the thing. We still don't have an answer for that. What are we going to do with that? Again, I have an answer for that. Give states the power to deport. And eventually have, have states start just not admitting people in. We're not going to allow people in from the Middle East. I mean, it's really bad. There was a pro-Israel teacher in some place in New York, Hillcrest High School in Jamaica, kind of like the real Jamaica. They found out that she went to the pro-Israel rally. And just after 11 a.m. on Monday, the students reportedly stormed the hallways of the school to protest the teacher having a pro-Israel viewpoint. The pre-planned protest allegedly deteriorated into a riot. And she feared for her life. Everyone was yelling, free Palestine. And uh, you have the blood libel there. So this is what we have going on. But, you know, a lot of these stories, you might say, well, Daniel, that's, that's, that's New York City. But the problem is, when you look at the red areas, thanks to the fecklessness of Republicans, we're only two, three years behind it. The red states today are worse than the blue states were under Obama. That's the reality. Whether it's um, the border, whether it's you know Muslim immigration, whether it's inflation, whether it's the Green New Deal, it's all happening. It's all going down. By the way, on the Green New Deal stuff, holy smokes, Stellantis just recalled 32,000 SUVs over potential fire risks. That's a big recall. This is what happens when you when you shield a product from all of the natural market forces that you basically ban its competition, promote the heck both in advert, you know, when the government puts its boot on the necks of of the consumers and the government monopolizes the public square to say this is what you must get, this is great and before you even get to the uh, financial incentives, which are many, you have development that bypasses safety. Now, it's not quite as bad as the vaccines. It's basically the vac- the COVID shots of cars. It's not quite as bad because at the end of the day, you don't have the um, indemnity from liability, and that's why ultimately they recalled them. But it raises a number of questions about the existing fleet. Certainly... SUVs, certainly the light trucks, but even as it relates to cars, we don't know yet. Google it. Google 
Sudden fires, car fires, garage fires. I'm telling you, it's the new died suddenly. It's literally electric vehicles are the COVID shots of of cars. So where is the Republican effort to say, we're going to hold this up in our states? I mean, forget about the subsidies. I mean, they're, they're going and inviting them in, inviting in the new the Green New Deal grants. Oh, we want jobs in our state. But we should go a step further, not only ban all of the incentives, but we should actually ban the vehicles. They're not safe. But there you go. There is no backstop. No backstop whatsoever. And all we focus on is polls. We just love our polls. Love our polls. Oh, we're ahead. Did you see the latest poll? I mean, there's no bewilderment. There's no curiosity. There's no excogitation. Let's let's sit and ponder. Why were the polls consistently off five points everywhere? Hmm. 2018, 2020, 2022, 2023. All the areas where we should be winning. Bucking the trend. Like... There's something peculiar going on there. I don't care the why. You could think it's 100% due to fraud. Fine, okay. But then what are you, you going to do about that? <laughs> Meaning, you can't say Democrats, they, they cheat. Okay. But then you turn around and say, look, the polls show us winning. Yeah, but they're going to cheat, right? I mean, and I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but the point is, you got to have some sort of strategy. You know, Republicans, by the way, are slated to lose the House in large degree because of Brett Kavanaugh. Brett Kavanaugh ruled with the left that basically created a right to Democrats to utilize the black vote to maximize their districts. So it's going to create another, already created another district in Alabama. It's going to create one in Louisiana and South Carolina, possibly Florida. They're going to win the House just because of Kavanaugh. That was another big success story of Trump. But, And by the way, I'm not a Johnny-come-lately. I warned you about him. I literally opposed his nomination. You know, it's very rare for a conservative talker to oppose a so-called conservative president's nominee. I actually opposed it. It wasn't like, now, yeah, we need it. Like, Amy Barrett, I warned on a couple of her rulings, but, you know, I thought was better than Kavanaugh. She's a little better, but a disaster as well. And you look at the Senate seats. We have a bunch of red seats up. Where is the effort to change them? Roger Wickerbasket of Mississippi. He's up. He'll get a free pass. Trump will endorse him. Both Nebraska loser senators, goobers. They're like Teletubbies. They're up. Kevin Kramer from North Dakota. He's up. John Barrasso of Wyoming. He's up. Then you have Montana and West Virginia, which are Democrat seats that we should win. Trump's endorsing a rhino in West Virginia. His team is basically dumping on a Matt Rosendale in Montana. And then, of course, you have Arizona, where, look, I mean, we know how that worked out, but now we have Kerry Lake again, and look at them polls. Look at them, look at them polls. I mean, I can't believe it. Kerry Lake was up like three points, 3.5 in the RCP average. And now there's, you know, one poll that has her up like a point. 
Like, oh, she's going to win. Well, again, either she turned off too many McCain voters, she didn't run a good ground game, thought that rallies were a ground game. That's another thing. Like, she she drew these big rallies. But again, I mean, there are the same people showing up. You don't win elections with that. And and if you believe it was all due to fraud, then, I mean, okay, what has changed? In other words, there's one thing if you're like, look, the Democrats cheat, they lie, they this, they, it's over with, the people are brainwashed. I'm going to recede into the top 15 red states and make them strong. That's a strategy. But we don't have such a strategy. We don't have people on the ground focusing on the primaries. We don't have people on the ground focusing on the legislative sessions. But folks, for our part, as long as I do this, I'm going to try to be constructive. But my polls is not a strategy. But anyway, it's great to be back. If you can give us a five-star rating on iTunes uh, with a comment, I'd really appreciate it. So we uh, surge ahead on the algorithms of the My Polls uh, podcast. And uh, if you could pass this around to all your friends and relatives. I'm not a party line guy. I'm not a one-man guy. You know, DeSantis would do so much better, be much better for image, much better for accomplishments and outcomes. But again, it's about a lot more than that. I want to talk about how to go more local Focusing on the legislative sessions, I'm going to try to highlight as many good primary candidates as I can. Let me know if you have a candidate that you feel is promising, has put together uh, you know, a good campaign that maybe we missed. Email me, danielhorowitz at startmail.com. Till tomorrow, we got a whole nother week ahead of us. God bless y'all, and thank you for listening. <laughs>